The chair staff is ready when you are. Great, thank you so much. And good evening. Welcome to the November 16th, 2023 Active Transportation Commission. This meeting is now called to order. Will the clerk please call the roll to establish a quorum? Thank you, Chair. Let's see, Commissioner Granville. Here. Commissioner Banks. Here. Commissioner Gibson. Here. Commissioner Gonzalez. Present. Commissioner Harris. Here. Commissioner Hodell. Here. Commissioner Hopped. Here. Commissioner Rowe. Here. Thank you. We have a quorum. And me. I'm here. Oh. Present. <laughs> no worries. Okay. Uh, I would like to remind members of the public and chambers that if you'd like to speak on an agenda item, please turn in a speaker slip when the item begins. You will have two minutes to speak once you are called on. After the first speaker, we will no longer accept speaker slips. We will now proceed to today's agenda. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, please rise for the opening acknowledgments in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. To the original people of this land, the Nisenon people, the Southern Maidu Valley and Plains Miwok, Patwan Wintu peoples, and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe, may we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather today in the active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's history, contributions, and lives. Thank you. And remain standing for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right. Our first business today is Commission Staff Report. Staff, you may proceed. Thank you, Chair. Um, Commission, Jennifer Donlin Wyatt, Transportation Planning Manager, with my monthly staff update. I have a short update this month. Um, the first I wanted to share with you is that the 2024 Active Transportation Commission calendar was approved by City Council this past Tuesday. I want to note for everybody, the start time has shifted from 6 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. Um, so just as an FYI, whether we get out earlier or not is at your discretion. <laughs> um, as a reminder, we have no December meeting. It is recess, so we don't meet in December or July. So after today, our next meeting will be in January. And in January, we will have our election for chair and vice chair. Chair Dewar Westbrook will be termed out. Um, and so we will have an opportunity for uh, a new person to sit in that seat. And then last but not least, I apologize to uh, Commissioner Banks because last month I missed an opportunity to congratulate her on an award that she got from the American Planning Association. Um, well, you and Saba for the work that they, uh, Saba and Deb has been doing in uh, the Meadowview neighborhood to activate, to get folks engaged uh, around biking and active transportation. So congratulations, Deb. Chair, that is my update. Thank you. Fabulous update. Thank you so much. And I'm excited about the earlier start time, as I'm sure others are as well. Uh, next is approval of the consent calendar. Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on the consent calendar? Thank you, Chair. We have none. Okay, thank you. Are there any uh, commissioners who wish to speak on this item? I'll move to appro approve the consent agenda. 
I'll second. Wonderful. Okay, so I have a, a motion from um, Commissioner Hopt and a second from Commissioner Harris. Uh, can you please call the roll for a vote? Thank you, Chair. Please unmute and turn off your video. Uh, tur um, excuse me. <laughs> please turn on your mic. Thank you. Commissioner Banks? Yes. Commissioner Gibson? Yes. Commissioner Gonzalez? Yes. Commissioner Harris? Yes. Commissioner Hodel? Yes. Commissioner Hopp? Aye. Commissioner Rowe? Aye. Vice Chair Granville? Aye. Chair Dewar Westbrook? Aye. Thank you. Motion passes. Fantastic. All right. Moving along to the discussion calendar. Uh, our first item today is item number three, Jackrabbit Trail Crossing Improvement Project. Is there a staff presentation? Check, check. Oh, yeah, all right. All right, good evening, um, Chair Dora Westbrook. Um, my name is Jesse Gothen. I'm with the City of Sacramento uh, Engineering Services Division, Public Works Department. I'm working on the Jack Rabbit uh, Crossing at Arena, and I'm joined by um, North of Thomas Jive, Executive Director. Hey there, good to see everyone again this month. So this is a project that uh, we're doing in partnership with North Natomas Jibe. Uh, we have worked with North Natomas Jibe on several projects over the years. I would say small, uh, some large, but a lot of small projects, but very um, beneficial projects uh, to help, the, help biking and walking in North Natomas. So I'll let Melissa um, speak to some of the background on this particular crossing. Okay, great. Um, well, I did come before you last month and give you a little bit of background of the importance of Jackrabbit Trail, and so I'll keep it brief, um, but you'll see with the blue dot circled on the trail here, uh, a couple of improvements um, just as background that we've embarked on um, in the last couple of years to improve the trail and accessibility um, to, to cross major intersections. Um, the one to the north is Del Paso Road. Um, this is a, a major intersection um, that uh, that uh, a light was installed over, connecting the two sections of the trail. Um, over time, we have a list of projects uh, throughout the community that have been inputted over time by our community members. So uh, we pride ourselves on really knowing what the community uh, needs are and uh, on the trail um, these couple have consistently come to the top as uh, problem areas um, to address and so we were uh, fortunate to be able to address a crossing at Del Paso Road just a few years ago but the one he we're here to um, talk about tonight is Arena uh, Arena um, is it Arena Drive Arena uh, Boulevard Arena now Boulevard, yeah. <laughs> Arena Boulevard um, it's all. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Melissa. Yeah, so um, this has been a, um, a location that has been identified by the community working with North Thomas Drive for several years. And so once uh, this funding opportunity came available, 
we started looking at um, what could be done here to improve the safety. It, you can see the break in the median, and it is currently a crossing. It was uh, primarily meant, well, it was meant for a maintenance vehicle access for RD1000. But um, if you go out there, you'll observe um, people using it pretty regularly, which is why um, it, it kind of rose to the top of um, the list in terms of an area that needed in attention. So we looked over the collision history and kind of some of the characteristics of the intersection just to make a determination on how we could better improve um, safety out here. And so uh, working in partnership with North Natomas Jai, we came up with a um, project concept that would reroute the trail approaches, of course, um, instead of crossing, uh, using the, the crosswalk at Truxel to use where the desire line and where people were being observed crossing to use that location. Um, the installation of ADA compliant curb ramps, accessibility, um, always a component of our project reviews. Um, looking at um, the lighting, so doing field visits to look at the lighting, working with our electrical section, who um, actually did a photometric analysis of this location because there's a, some existing, um, there's an existing mast arm light out there, but really um, giving the um, speed surveys of the corridor, we really want to make sure that the location is um, lit well just to provide the best, best safety. So enhancing the signal and striping, um, updating the pavement, uh, getting rid of any of those, um, you know, bumps in the surface that have occurred over years. You can see that it's already concrete, and just through our due diligence and looking at the as-builts, um, discovered it was put there primarily out of concern of RD1000 and just maintenance vehicles that would cross through. So and then that brings us to the reconstruction of the median opening. And I know uh, over the years as I've worked on projects and particularly looked at crosswalks going through medians, uh, the question comes up often of how to um, treat that, that segment. Um, do we put a skew in the segment? Do we just go straight across with that segment? How wide should it be? And so um, there are different standards and different guidelines, and um, it is somewhat of a, a judgment call on what we should do. And so uh, I thought it'd be interesting to um, certainly get the commission's feedback on uh, what to do at this location. So this one keeps it at a, a five-foot opening, uh, but puts in the vertical curb and raises, I think it's like, like a red brick. Um, and this really just channelizes folks. So if you're crossing here or biking, you're channeled, and the idea is it kind of puts you looking in the direction of the oncoming vehicles because this is not um, a good location for a um, signal given the proximity to Truxel. So uh, what this does is it um, sets people up to observe the oncoming traffic, make sure they can find a safe gap and, and cross the street. So this five foot opening and the, um, the skew, uh, this one opens it to eight feet. Um, still has the skew. This was a bit of a concern for um, RD1000 in that if they're going to drive over this, they're going to um, they're going to um, rock a little bit as they go over those um, corner edges. And then this one just stripes it, but keeps the truncated dome, so it keeps it at an eight foot. So, um, and then the last one is just what you might expect, just straight through with a six foot opening. 
and the, and the shoulders to kind of channelize. So um, with that, Yeah, so um, advanced, uh, advanced striping and yield lines, advanced signage, so everything that would be required per the manual on uniform traffic control devices we would install just to, uh, just to improve the safety. So like, as I did mention, we reviewed the collision history out here. Fortunately, there is, there is no history of um, anything happening mid-block. Um, and we looked at the speed survey data. This is posted 45. Um, so, and yet we see people out there jogging across it, using it, um, you know, um, right now we'd prefer to them to go down and cross at the uh, signalized intersection, but we're at, we wanted to see what we could do to improve this and bring it up to be a, a safe, a safe crosswalk. So, um, this is, uh, yeah. So there are other things we could look at. We could look at maybe potentially doing uh, rumble strips along with the striping. We'd have to be uh, cognizant, though, of adjacent residential. There's that apartment um, or some condos or townhomes there. So we would want to um, be uh, conscientious of that as well. So with that, we're open to any comments or um, questions. Thank you so much for your presentation. Um, before we um, go to um, comments from the community, could you just remind us what RD1000 is? Oh, that stands for uh, Reclamation District 1000. So uh, this was underwater, right, um, <laughs> many years ago until the uh, levee system was put in place. And so RD1000 is the um, district that manages the um, irrigation channels and just what water management out there. Is that a good way of describing it? Yeah. yeah. And they do flood control, and this path, the Jackrabbit Trail, is along the, um, the East Levy can Canal. Okay. Right, right. So, yeah, they maintain that, that canal. Yeah. Thank you so much. So when they're providing comments, it's in response to, like, their vehicles being able to navigate across the median? Yeah, so they, they will patrol the levee, and so they'll want to drive straight, straight through the median. Okay. Yeah, so that's that's the main purpose of the current break yeah. in the median, yeah. Wonderful, thank you so much. Um, Clerk, are there any members of the community who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. Yes, I have one speaker. Matt Anderson. Good evening, everybody. Good evening, Chair, Commissioners. Thank you to staff for this project. I'm really excited to have something that's uh, community supported and just you know safety improvement moving along. That's always very exciting. Um, before I even get into my comment, I'd like to say that I'd rather see a chicane for the cars than the pedestrians. Not really sure why you know those are the people that should be moving out of the way. Uh, anything that makes the cars slow down and look for the people crossing and put the onus on them to not run people over, I think is what we should be looking at. I understand that's more expensive, probably out of the scope of this, but I just want to throw that out there. Um, I did want to just ask a question about one thing in the report. It did state that, um, and um, staff also stated that the proximity to Truxel um, basically uh, negated the ability to put any sort of RRFB or lights or any of the typically safer crossing um, options. I'm just wondering, um, and didn't, 
go on to explain why that is or what, what document, what made it immutable fact that that couldn't happen. So I'm just wondering what it is that causes that and if there's um, any person or body or um, decision that can be made to overrule that in the name of safety. So I'm hoping someone uh, could speak to that. But always really appreciate the project and thanks to staff and all of you for reviewing this. Thank you for your comments. We have no further speakers. Thank you so much. And I appreciate that comment. Saw it online uh, as well. And I had the same question when I was reading the staff report. Um, I do see we have a hand from Jennifer Gore. It's me. It's you. Okay. <laughs> so we'll, we'll you're the attorney today. Can we just get one clarification from staff first and then we'll go to commissioner comments? Pardon okay. me? Can I get a quick clarification from staff? Absolutely. Okay. Um, Jesse or Jennifer, would you, would you mind speaking to that uh, question? Yeah, so the question's over um, why we wouldn't put a signalized control there. It, yeah, um, it has primarily to do with the proximity to Truxel. So uh, we want to do like the safest solution given the context. And so, uh, so looking in our bag of tools that we have in our pedestrian crossing guidelines, while a signal, um, you know, could be considered at this locate, at, at, could, could be considered in general and at, at, at mid-block locations at this particular location, we uh, don't think it's the appropriate measure, and we think it would create more issues in the if if put in, and and that has mainly to do with the proximity to the existing signal at Truxel. So um, I guess the question is, is there an existing policy that states you wouldn't, you know, put an RF, RFB or something within a certain distance of a signalized intersection? Yeah, so that, that's um, prescribed in the MUTCD. Okay, so you're following uh, Yeah, that. so we're, okay. we're looking at that and then also taking into, into consideration just the context of the roadway. Okay, and that wasn't, that wasn't a request made of the community to have an RFB or any... Anything um, more than no. what's proposed? Okay. Right, yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. <clears throat> okay. Now we'll move on to um, Commissioner Comments and uh, Commissioner Hodel. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> we need this crossing improved. Um, currently, three bikes can bump through and sit in the middle. And so uh, with this improvement, it'll be so much better for commuters and groups of cyclists. You asked about the surface for the center and my personal preference is number three. Would you mind putting those back up on the screen, the, the four choices? Mm -hmm. Number one is five feet wide and it kind of turns and um, it, that's too narrow, and you've got curbs on the side. You can have um, up to five or six bicyclists that need to use that area if they can't get all the way across. So the curbs and only five feet, that's two-way traffic. That's only two and a half feet for, you know, your lane. Um, I don't like the eight-foot one wide either. I think number three was flat, just smooth all the way across. That would be my number one choice. It would be good for the trucks, but it's also good for the cyclists and pedestrians. Thank you, uh, Commissioner Hodel. We're still not seeing the, oh, you're working on that. Okay, fantastic, thank you. Um, okay, so that one's been addressed. Uh, Commissioner Gonzalez. Thank you, thank you for the presentation. Um, when this item came up on the agenda last week, I decided to go out and visit um, 
the area to see for it myself in person. I did send some materials before the meeting that I asked to be called up for this item. So if you do want to queue that up, I'd appreciate it. Uh, while I understand that it's our duty this evening to give um, recommendations on the median choices that we have, I can't help but also share the sentiments that was given during public testimony. And after my observations um, uh, earlier this week, uh, I do want to speak a bit about also about the, uh, the beacon. Uh, we had a presentation earlier uh, a couple, maybe a month or two ago, where we asked about the effectiveness of beacons, and we were told that there is no data to support the effectiveness of beacons. We also had a, a presentation, I believe, back in April about Stockton Boulevard and uh, near 14th, I think maybe 12th, where we're going to get a full signalized uh, pedestrian crosswalk, where we told basically at that time that, um, that staff believes that drivers understand uh, green, yellow, red, but uh, many times take the flashing beacons as to be a suggestion or optional. So if we could advance maybe the slide here, please. Oh, wonderful. Which one, do I, what do I push? Shouldn't be. That one? All right. So um, I did head out uh, to, let me get the broadcast. Here we go. I did head out to the uh, site myself on Tuesday night uh, between 545, 605, what I thought would be some good traffic to, to see. And I actually do own a speed gun. So I wanted to see what some of the real world um, uh, observations would be. Uh, this speed gun is, uh, gun is capable of measuring up to 200 miles per hour. Thankfully, we didn't have to do that. And the way that it works is that when you squeeze the trigger, you can see the actual real-time speed of uh, objects that are passing by. And when you depress the trigger, it'll show you the highest speed of all the objects that have passed by. So kind of helpful for if you're teaching your kid how to pitch or if you want to see how fast the car is going. So here I posted at um, Honorita Boulevard looking toward Truxel, where the intersection in question that is uh, too close, perhaps, to this, uh, this medium is we're talking about. And um, on average, I saw about 47 miles per hour was typical when uh, vehicles travel. And I can say, too, like every time this light changed green, the vehicle cycles were able to move through pretty quickly. And I couldn't imagine that if they had to stop for a few seconds due to a signal, that they'd actually back up at Truxel, at least at 545. Um, doing some math um, and looking at uh, taking into assumption reaction time and then stopping distance, this is about 157 uh, feet would be my estimation of stopping distance if you were traveling an average 47 miles per hour. However, the highest speed I saw at that time was 51 miles per hour uh, during my short window there. And that's not a speed survey, but that's what I observed. So that, that takes you up to about 180 feet of stopping distance, giving some time for thinking and then braking. Um, so to give you that observation, and this, I know this is very small, but there is a dot in the median there. If you see where the concrete is a little lighter in the bridge, and then ahead toward Truxel, uh, if you're going 51 miles per hour, that's where you would begin to need to stop in order to not hit a person who's in the intersection. I don't agree that flashing beacons are usually followed. My own observation is, is often people go right by them. So uh, I would hate to think that a cyclist pushes the button, gets the beacons, and someone decides not to stop, and that's how much time they might need if they were traveling 51 miles per hour, as I did observe that evening. And for further context, I'll show you that in this picture, you are 51 feet away from uh, the flashing beacon that is on Folsom Boulevard there. They're not terribly visible, which is always my problem, too. They're on the edges, whereas the most signal heads actually go over. So they're highly visible, and I think they cause the driver to get their attention. This is harder to see because they're just on the sides. Um, and for context, this is the distance, the same distance to a signal, which you can see. I know it's hard in this picture, but you can see because it's, it's over the road and not just on the sides of the roads. Uh, heading in the other direction toward Gateway Park, 
I more often saw people driving about 51 miles per hour because it's a much greater distance to the next intersection, which I believe is a gateway. Um, very far distance, people have a lot of time to speed up, and there's not much to do between these two intersections, so people drive very fast, as will be evidenced in this next picture. This is the fastest speed I saw people driving in 10 minutes of observation, 70 miles per hour on that road, which by my math is about 322 feet of stopping, 70 feet of thinking, and then another 252 feet to stop if you decide not to take the flashing beacon for its word that a person is crossing. And uh, now this, uh, this uh, diagram here is, again, the intersection or the, the, the crosswalk where it would be and how far away you'd have to be if you were driving 70 miles per hour to stop, an observation I actually made. So again, I'm just concerned that something that's not very visible, now this is the same distance again, and you can't barely see at all the beacon as far away. It's not that first um, yellow sign, it's the one way past it. That's the same amount of distance. If you're traveling 70 miles per hour, you would have to begin to stop about that time to not hit the person traveling in that lane. And again, for context, here is the signal uh, from the other direction, same distance. And you can still see it. You shouldn't travel 70 miles per hour, but you can still see that there's a signal there. Whether it's green or red, you can see it. Um, so basically, that's my, my point of view. I know we're just talking about the means tonight, but I can't help but indulge myself that these, I don't believe that these, um, these pieces of infrastructure actually provide any safety. I believe they provide the illusion of safety, and in fact, many people in harm's way, especially on this road where people drive very, very quick. I appreciate staff for working on this. I appreciate Drive and their efforts to do this. I appreciate that uh, they put a hawk signal I just looked up at the, the Del Paso crossing, which is over the roadway and much more visible. I think at the least we should be pushing ourselves to do that, if not a full signalized crossing. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Commissioner Gonzalez. Um, and for, for going out in the community and, and seeing what um, speeds people are traveling at. So the um, What's being proposed today, rapid flashing beacons were not included at all. Um, so are you proposing that a full signalized intersection be put here, or? I mean, that's not our question tonight, but that, that is what I would advocate. Okay, yes. so that's what you're having, okay. Thank you. Um, okay, uh, Commissioner Harris. Thank you so much. Did we have a chance to pull up the options that were before us? Can we pull those options up? we're working on it um my question <laughs> for <Too many> presentations. <laughs> perfect thank you my question for staff it does sound like you spoke to rd 1000 um and i believe it was option two that they were not in favor of did they provide any additional feedback um i do know that yeah, this isn't just about patrolling, it's also about flood fighting activities and maintenance of these levees, which we have the privilege to use as bike lanes um, and bike access, which is a fantastic um, multiple use um, of this landscape feature. Um, I am curious on whether they provided any additional feedback and whether they had any concerns about ongoing maintenance for cost. Yeah, so that was their there were that was their concern is that the um, the concrete uh, trapezoids <laughs> would get busted up over time, particularly in emergency response for the um, the tracks on the tractor if they're coming up and down and they're having to respond, which granted would probably not 
be a, a, an annual thing at all, but you know, on, on, on that rare occasion, um, primarily it's uh, just a, a pickup truck that would be driving through. Uh, Commissioner Banks. Thanks very much. Thanks for the um, presentation, and thank you, Commissioner Gonzalez, for your presentation. I'm in agreement with you 100%. Um, but I have a question for you guys. I'm curious why you didn't think of just a raised sidewalk. Why not just raise the whole sidewalk and then do the paint on number three? These narrowings to people get up onto you know the space. I live over in Campus Commons and have to get onto the Guy West Bridge. It's this tiny little narrow thing, and then there's some bollards. It is very treacherous, either going up the bridge or down. So I'm just curious, why not just do a raised sidewalk in that space, which would allow for the vehicles for the levee to get over and for cyclists in a group to um, Commissioner Hodel's um, points make? I'm curious about that. So just so I understand, so kind of just raise it up for across the median? Or, or raise the whole crosswalk? Raise the crosswalk in this median space. Oh, in the median? Okay. Of course, actually raising it all the way across would be even better. <laughs> so yes, thank That's you for I that. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think we'll take that into consideration in the median part. As, as part of crossing the travel way, though, I don't think that would be something we'd ultimately um, uh, implement. Be a natural way to slow traffic down? It, it would, or to, yeah, launch vehicles. So... <laughs> So we have option number five on the table now. I like it. <laughs> um, okay, is there any other commissioner comments? Um, okay, so this was providing feedback. So you're still in the decision making. This isn't the final. Okay, still looking for more. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously if people are already traveling this way, I'm in support of any improvement that makes it easier for them to do, um, do that movement. Uh, I, I guess my only concern with three would be if vehicles that aren't already 1,000 are going to use that to cross to the other side of the road, um, then we might have some conflicts with people uh, walking and biking um, just because now there's nothing to really stop them from doing that as there are with the other options. Um, and, and so I guess that would put me more towards in favor of Two, just because there's a wider width. So if there's larger, if, if there are groups of people, um, you know, biking together, that's the widest width um, outside of three. Option number three. So, uh, Commissioner Banks. Oh, it's an old one. Leftover. Okay, but I would say my favorite is option five. That's not here. That was brought forward by Commissioner Banks. And there was a lot of enthusiasm in the audience behind you that you didn't witness, so, but that we could see. So, um, yeah, I think that's our thoughts. I'm not seeing any additional hands, though. Um, so we might be we good on this item. Um, and, it, yeah, would love to uh, have you bring this forward to us again once you get further in design. All right. Uh, our next item tonight is item number four. Pedestrian crossing at R Street and 29th and 30th Streets project. Uh, is there a staff presentation? Okay, good evening, Chair and Commission. 
Uh, my name is Luke Fusen. I'm an Associate Civil Engineer in Department of Public Works, and I'm pleased today to present to you the R Street and 29th 30th Street Crossings Project. This is a project that the city's recognized as a need for quite some time, as well as members of the community. Um, I'm happy to say that this project has been awarded a grant and is in the preliminary design and environmental clearance phase as we speak, and we'll move into final design and um, construction shortly after that. The project is located along the Capital City Freeway along R Street at the intersections of 29th Street and 30th Street. Uh, the 29th Street light rail station sits directly beneath the Capital City Freeway in the, in the middle of the picture on the right. The real purpose of this project and the need for this project um, is that both of these intersections are not signalized. This means that anybody that is accessing the 29th Street light rail station must cross an unsignalized intersection to um, you know, go east or west or basically get anywhere from the light rail station. So this project is intended to signalize both of these intersections, creating a safe, comfortable, accessible um, passageway, um, accessible intersections at both locations. This has been one of the city's most requested ADA improvements over the years. I included a couple quotes on the right of the screen but working on this project for over a year now, I've been exposed to the grant application and other information from, from year, previous years, and I could have filled up you know, this whole presentation with quotes from the public. There, there are many of them. Um, anything from community members, organizations, um, constituents, just every, you know, we have a lot, of, a lot of background of people really wanting this project in the city as well. Uh, the picture on the left shows the R Street and 30th Street's unsignalized intersection looking south. This is the existing condition um, taken just recently. You can see it's a one-way street, uh, stop controlled, just has stop signs. You can see that there are the light rail crossing gates, but there is no traffic signal. You can also see that the existing pavement markings and crosswalk have been worn thin. And really, um, it's not a comfortable um, place for a pedestrian to cross at all. And the other intersection is similar to this. So I think this graphic paints a, a, a pretty good picture of why this project is needed and some of the benefits that it'll create. The light rail station is located in the center of the image with the yellow highlight area. Um, the green dots represent areas where there's currently sidewalk. You can see there's no sidewalk on the light rail station side of 29th Street and 30th Street. There's driveways, parking garages, and other obstacles that really present a barrier for pedestrians going to and from the light rail station and the bus stops for that matter that are located on 29th Street and 30th Street. Some of the amenities out here include the Sacramento County Department of Human Assistance with on the next block over also is the River City Food Bank. You can imagine that people accessing both of these destinations would have a high probability of Reading Transit. Well, those folks today have to nav navigate across these unsignalized intersections. We also have the Natural Food Co-op, who I know have, um, in the past, their customers have complained about, about these intersections as well. We have Caltrans and Mercy Medical Group, where people go to and from the doctor's office. So I mentioned the signals are, the signals are unsignalized and they have to be crossed. But when you're out there, um, the proximity to the Capital City Freeway presents a challenge for the hearing impaired 
The overhead freeway noise in com combination with the high volumes on 29th and 30th Street really create a noisy environment. Make it very di it would make it very difficult for the hearing impaired to, you know, tell when they can cross safely. So this project will, you know, fix that. Uh, the picture on the right shows, and I, I took this picture recently um, when, a bus, when a bus was unloading and loading, and what you see here is basically a very common occurrence. You see a gentleman in a wheelchair, his needs are not currently being met. So this is the project. We can see the 29th Street light rail station in the center of the image. Um, both, both intersections will be equipped with modern city standard audible pedestrian signals, and I'll talk a little bit more, more about that. The light rail gates will be set back to improve the line of sight for all users, and each corner will, will include a bulb out, um, which has a benefit of shorting the crossing distance, and then the pavement markings and stripings will all be upgraded. The combination of the audible pedestrian signals, the bulb outs, the light rail gates being set back, the new pavement striping will create a safe, comfortable, accessible intersection for all users. Um, another kind of interesting feature that we're, we're gonna construct is in the southwest corner of 29th and R Street. That's where the, the 29th Street bus shelter is. Um, we're gonna widen that sidewalk out towards the roadway, which, which will allow for the buses to be able to stop in line without having to pull off a little bit and just continue on making a more efficient operation for the buses. Um, which kind of matches the existing condition. There's, these are one-way streets, so in the existing condition, the bus pulls off to the, to the existing curb line, but he doesn't have enough, the bus does not have enough room to completely get out of the traveled lane. So cars are navigating around the buses. Um, so that'll, that'll you know, be the condition after this project is constructed as well, but this will be a little bit more efficient, and the wider sidewalk um, creates more space for, for transit users. Um, the existing mature trees will remain, um, we'll construct new tree wells, and the landscaping will be refreshed, um, likely with bark or you know, some kind of minor landscaping. And lastly, uh, the, the, the pavement has failed out at this location, um, mo primarily due to the, to the SAC RT buses. Um, the pavement's pretty much been rutted and destroyed and it's all cracked, so we're able to secure funding to uh, to rehabilitate, rehabilitate the pavement by dig outs and overlay. So after the project's done, everything will be brand new and in a good state of repair. So an audible pedestrian signal, and you, many of you may have, seen, may have seen the push button similar to this um, around town, but it's the type of signal where just a wave of the hand will actuate the pedestrian phase. Um, other features are once that pedestrian phase is actuated, you get the audible walk signal, don't walk signal, and you can have messages as well, like green on our street. Um, so that's one, one good feature. And then they can also have the vibro-tactile vibro um, detection where if somebody, a blind person, was to hold their finger on the push button arrow when the pedestrian phase is actuated, you get a vibration on your hand. So both intersections will, will have these features, um, again, making a modern city standard audible pedestrian signal. This project is a partnership between the city of Sacramento and Sacramento Regional Transit. Uh, both, we've been working closely with, with SACRT on this project and it's been, it's been great. At the end of the day, um, both traffic signals and the new crossing gates will all be integrated together with, with interconnect and communication lines. 
So we're going through the process of working with RT, um, working on calculating our signal timing, our train preemption times, and connecting all of, all of the, the gates and the equipment for the signal will all be connected, interconnected, and then we'll talk in real time to our city traffic operations dinner upstairs um, so it can be monitored in real time. Um, we're also similarly working with the Sacramento RT uh, bus division on coordinating the bus stops and, and making sure the stand, their standards and our standards are all met. So we're looking at, as I mentioned, we're in the preliminary design and environmental clearance phase right now and appreciate any feedback you may have. We're looking at final design and construction documents around the end of the year and looking to award this, this, this construction contract towards the end of 2024 and construct it in 2025 at a cost of about $4.6 million. Um, we were fortunate and really the catalyst for being able to do this project right now after quite some time is we were awarded a SACOG grant for this project. Um, we were able to supplement that with the local road maintenance and rehabilitation funds for the pavement portion of this project, some other local match funds for matching, and uh, again, SACRT is a partnership, so they're you know, chipping in for their portion of the project as well. So with that, I'll take any questions you have. Thank you so much for your presentation. Uh, Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. Yes, I have one speaker slip. Um, Matt Anderson. <laughs> Come Matt. Good evening again. Still Matt Anderson, uh, District 4 resident. Also really excited about this project. Um, can't say enough. Super excited that uh, staff leveraged basically zero dollars into like four million plus dollars and we're using some road maintenance funds for that efficiency. Super pumped about that. Um, just a couple quick comments. I really hope that there are trees incorporated into the final drawings. I was really happy to see that they're keeping the mature trees there. Um, but I think there's some landscaping and other options. I'm not right on the corners, obviously. Um, so, uh, there's light signs to consider, but anywhere that trees can be put, we are hopefully still the city of trees, kind of, depending on who you ask. But um, they really are appreciated, especially around transit when you're waiting around. Um, also, I don't know whether the signal timing is happening now or later. It sounds like it's in process, but given the proximity of the hospital, if you go on Google Maps right now on 30th and R, you actually can see someone in a wheelchair crossing. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping that there's just a ped phase for every um, section uh, or every um, cycle that goes through. And if there isn't a ped phase for every cycle, then the city considers something like passive pedestrian detection which I think is possible with most of the cameras that we install these days. Um, so you don't, you know, anybody who's mobility impaired doesn't have to reach around or try to get to some of those, even though they are tactile and you only have to wave, you still have to get near them if you're in a wheelchair and it's, it can be pretty difficult. Um, and then lastly, as much as it kind of epitomizes Caltrans, uh, I think that the red curb has to be extended to the front of their building as well on 30th and R because AB413 makes um, daylighting within 20 feet of an intersection a requirement. So just a thought. Thank you all for your consideration. Have a great night. Thank you for your comments. We have no further speakers. Thank you so much. Um, do we have any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? Commissioner Harris. A wonderful presentation. Thank you so much. Um, I, we, we heard last meeting 
um, to make sure that this commission is aware that um, active transportation includes people who um, roll as well. Um, and I'm really excited um, at the thought you've put towards this project on the improvements. Um, I personally have um, friends and family who experience um, challenges to their disabilities, and I think that it's great that you've acknowledged um, how much it's really imperative to people who um, ha may have disabilities to use transit. These are not um, choices that somebody who's blind make. They cannot choose to drive. They cannot choose to bike <laughs> um, because of their visual impairment. Um, so I, I think it's a wonderful project. Um, and I'm going to second um, Matt's um, comment. Um, I love seeing transit centers be real um, places. And so anything that could be incorporated to um, make it a place you might want to be versus have to be, I think, would be um, wonderful as well. So thank you so much. Uh, Commissioner Gonzalez. Uh, thank you, staff, for the presentation. It was a really great presentation. I'm so glad to see full signals was determined to be the most appropriate use in this um, in this intersection. So um, obviously, I, I feel very strongly about that. Um, and I want to thank uh, Commissioner Harris for bringing up what I was going to bring up as well as just that the Disability Commission was here last month. Um, maybe there's opportunity for you to interface with them as well. Uh, I'm sure they would love the opportunity to give you their comments and their real-world experiences. Um, I was able to see actually some of that passive pedestrian detection infrastructure with David uh, a few times talking to different about different intersections and how uh, cyclists can get through and, and where that's available. So yeah, really, really cool technology. would love to see uh, more of that in use here as well if someone can't push the button. But I love all the options on the, on the button as well for crossing. Thinking back to when I was a kid, and I used to cross Florin Road, and I had this little tiny button. I had to push real hard just to get the thing to recognize me, and now we've come so far. Um, I would like you, though, one thing is to speak in the staff report. It speaks a bit to the collision history being disproportionately high in this area. We did have an e-comment from Roman Ambroselli, who said that it was his uh, belief that there hadn't been any collisions or, or no collisions of of significance in the last 10 years or possibly further here. Can you speak to that, if that's accurate or... or or is the data in the staff report uh, more accurate? Well, we know that the, there's been a lot of um, close calls out here and near misses um, for folks that just through the, what I was speaking on with the, uh, the quotes and the, and the comments that we've received from the public. There's also no, it's, um, you know, there's no signal there. There's no signal there now, which people may you know, try to go a different way, perhaps. So, but I, what I would say, what I would speak to that is, this is more of a, a transit, um, accessibility, mobility type of project. Um, it's really going to create a safe passage. So, even though we may not have, you know, there's a record of a fatality, you know, we do have, we do, we do know that there has been close calls, near misses, and that this is really an, a transit-oriented project to increase mobility and accessibility for users. Thank you, I appreciate that. And I appreciate us putting an infrastructure in before fatalities as well. So thank you very much. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about this project. I've uh, taken the light rail from that station many times and have also experienced near misses trying to cross the street. So when I saw this on the agenda, I was really uh, pleased to see the improvements that you're proposing. Um, I don't really have uh, too many edits or you know comments. I'm really pleased with 
um, what you're proposing. I was just a little bit curious about um, the, I kind of want to go further and it might be a, a different project, but curious if the city is looking at doing any road diets on 29th and 30th right now, because I think that is what's causing such high speeds. Um, so anyways, I know Jennifer. <laughs> Chair, do a rest break. I'll take that one staff if you don't mind. <laughs> so um, our, all of our lane reductions that we have in the city are outlined in the general plan. Um, and the ones in the central city were came out of grid 3.0 that was incorporated into the central city specific plan. So there are not any planned lane reductions on 29th and 30th because our when we did the grid 3.0 central city specific plan, we've got another uh, other lane reductions. Um, and we're reducing the capacity on parallel streets. So we expect that 29th and 30th will take that additional capacity from our lane reductions. Similarly to how we are road dieting Broadway. Mm -hmm. um, and we expect WX to take that extra capacity. So the benefit of having a gridded network is that you have the ability for other streets to absorb the, the, the traffic. So the short answer is no, we're not planning on road dieting 29th and 30th, but with the full implementation, of the central city specific plan, we expect that other streets will lose lanes and that 29th and 30th will not have the capacity for lane reductions. Understood. Maybe when you all are awarded the wayfinding uh, contract, then people won't bike on 20th like I do some 29th do sometimes. I'll go, I'll go elsewhere. Um, yeah. Um, the other I know. Well, someday you gotta get, I wanna go to the co op. So, um, the other question I had was just on um, the, the bus stop itself, and you said that you were going to push the sidewalk out a little bit further into the street. Um, is Have you done this type of improvement elsewhere in the city or seen how that... Um, I'm just kind of curious how the folks that are in that lane are going to be shifting um, over when the... Um, I'm not really describing this well, but <laughs> just curious how people are going to navigate that. Yeah. Um... If we were to cut, just construct a bulb out there, it would be, um, so in the current condition, the bus pull, does need to pull over to, towards the curb line, but the, the lane's not, and let me know if I'm not answering your question exactly right, but the lane's not wide enough for the bus to pull over enough for a car to still pass. So in the existing condition, the cars are having to slow, either slow down in, behind the bus or navigate around them, which will be the same condition that, after the project is constructed, just the bus won't have to do the pull over to the curb. And really, that was another, with our partnership with Sacramento RT, placing the bulb out at that corner and just, and just bulbing it back into the existing curb line did not meet their standard for the distance from the end of the bulb out to the bus shelter. They need a certain distance for the bus to get in and be straight and then come back out. And so that's why we kind of extended, another, extended it so the bus can just come in straight and then, and then leave. Luke, if I may add, I think this might be our first in-lane bus stop in the city of Sacramento. So this is not something that we've done before. Um, and so this is something I think new to us and, and pretty exciting that we're, we're rolling out something like this because it helped with transit operations. Yeah, no, no, I think it's great. I, I, I think what I'm trying to get at is I've been to the co-op many times and there is always a conflict right there um, in, front of the, in front of the bus. So there's right, usually, the yeah, so I'm, I'm just um, wanting to make sure that like with the bus now in the lane, people that are turning into the co-op parking lot, there's even less visibility now for folks crossing 
and I've seen like really close calls there multiple times. So I don't know if there is any way to warn the drivers that are going into the co-op parking lot. I mean, it's just a poor entrance. Unfortunately, there's nothing we can change about that. Um, but I've just seen it like, cause there's sometimes folks um, that are, you know, hanging out at the corner. Right, cause the um, driveway is just right Driveway there. right there, right. or maybe they're grabbing a pastry coming back to their, yeah, and the alleyway, it's just like that particular section. Um, any way that we could alert folks that are turning into the co-op parking lot more uh, would be, I think, is, is needed. Okay, we yeah. could definitely take a look at that. Okay, thank you. Um, but other than that, I think you have uh, all of our support on this project. We're really, really pleased uh, to see it moving forward. So thank you so much for uh, presenting to us tonight. Uh, with that, we will move on to our next item, which is item number five, fiscal year 2024-2025 Caltrans Sustainable Transportation Planning Grant application. We'll have a presentation from Jennifer in just a moment. Thanks for your patience, commissioners, as I walk my way around the very long process. Um, hi, everybody. My name is Jennifer Dolan Wyant. I am the Transportation Planning Manager for the City of Sacramento, and I come to you every cycle for the Caltrans Sustainable Transportation Planning Grant Program to talk to you about staff recommendations for the grant program uh, that my team is working on. I am just the face. Um, my entire team are the ones that are going to be working very hard on all of these proposed grant applications um, that will be due in January. So I'm gonna dive right in. So for those of you who don't know, um, the Caltrans Sustainable Transportation Planning Grant Program is a quasi-regular, I can't, I'm not gonna speak to the frequency because it's an irregular frequency, but it's a grant program that essentially funds my team's planning work for visioning of what our street network or streets might look like in the city of Sacramento. Um, we need to meet, uh, it's, it's a high level planning effort, no engineering. So, you know, Jesse, Bill, and Luke, who all just left, those are the engineers that work in the details. We can't do that type of work with this funding program. Um, but we can do the conceptual planning of how many lanes are going to be on a street, what is the vision for the community, bike lanes, wider sidewalk, on street parking, what it might be, whether we have a traffic circle roundabout, all those great things. It needs to align with the streets, the state's climate goals. Uh, for in looking at reduction for greenhouse gas emissions. Um, we need to, uh, should meet our goals for addressing underserved community or under-resourced communities. And in fact, um, quite frankly, if you're not proposing a project in an under-resourced community, you're not likely to get funded. Um, and our previous awards, you might remember great projects such as the Stockton Boulevard Corridor Plan, the Freeport Mobility Plan, Northgate, and we just won Howe, and we won Norwood, which will hopefully be kicking off in early 2024, and then our, our Transportation Infrastructure Adaptation Plan. So this is the type of work um, that are, is typically funded. City of Sacramento is lucky, you know, there have been years where we didn't win any. Typically we won, win one grant application. Last year we won three, which was just pretty outstanding and we're a little bit overwhelmed, but we're figuring out our work plan to make sure we can deliver on all of that. Um, and this year we're proposing four applications. Again, we are ambitious. Um, so about the subcategories, so there, this is a larger grant program and so I'm going into the details and folk, case folks have already gone in and wanna make sure that we are going after all the appropriate money that we can go after. So the Sustainable Communities Program, which is the big visioning program, 
The adaptation planning, which is the smaller category that we want to look at our transportation infrastructure. We're not proposing going after that again because we still haven't even started on the first grant program. And then there are ones for metropolitan planning organizations, um, you know, our regional entities like SACOC. They can go after sustainable communities formula and they have strategic partnerships. And in fact, the Truxell Bridge project is funded out of the strategic partnership and that is a SACOG, City of Sacramento, and Regional Transit Partnership effort. Generally, the available funding is between $100,000 and $700,000. Um, there's the required match of 11.47%, but I'm gonna tell you there's a lot of non-participating costs, uh, which means that like they're like, yeah, it's probably necessary, but we're not gonna pay for it. So it's greater than that. Typically, it's closer to about 20% of what the city needs to contribute to that. And generally, the matching dollars that we need to go after these programs comes from the city's um, active transportation, CIP, which is misleading. CIP stands for Capital Improvement Project, and it's not a capital improvement project, but it's our pot of money that we have for active transportation. Eligible activities are studies, plans, visioning. Again, no engineering, no environmental, and no implementation. So we have all these rules and the processes, but we've, gone, we've been to the circus before, and we know the, the process and what they're looking for, what the state is looking for. So when we were developing our recommendations, first, of course, we started with the Transportation Priorities Plan, because that is our guide and council's direction for transportation investments. And the map that you see here is the approved prioritization for city council that was taken in November, oh, a year ago, last November. Um, the purple projects are the high priority. The golden are uh, midterm and green are longer term. The ones in black line are those that are funded, that are in process uh, or soon to be under construction. So I'm gonna highlight the four that we're recommending, the Arden Auburn Boulevard one, Free, uh, Fruit Ridge, Elder Creek, and then our wayfinding project. So Arden Way, Auburn Boulevard, we applied last year, actually earlier this year, uh, to the same grant program for Arden. We have since, after a debrief with Caltrans about why that was not awarded, uh, we're gonna pivot and include Auburn Boulevard. So just to give some folks some context, if you're not familiar with either of these streets, Arden ranges anywhere between five and 10 vehicle lanes. It has some standard bike lanes, talking about not buffered or separated, but regular bike lanes, attached sidewalks, little to no tree canopy, and the average ADT, which is average daily traffic, is anywhere between 23,000 vehicles a day and 54,000 vehicles per day. Posted speed limit uh, is 40 miles per hour, and Arden is one of our top 10 corridors for Vision Zero, or one of the streets in the city of Sacramento with the highest numbers of severe injuries and fatalities. Auburn Boulevard, again, ranges from two to five lanes, has standard bike lanes, some, but not a complete network, no tree canopy, and its ADT is about 20,000 vehicles per day with a 40,000 uh, mile, 40 mile per hour speed limit. Uh, it is a priority project in the Transportation Priorities Plan, Auburn Boulevard. This area had uh, approximately 520 injury crashes in the last 10 years, including 23 severe injuries and seven fatalities. Uh, the area, when you look at equity, lacks basic infrastructure, is lower income, and is home to those who have faced racism and bias. And these are the key criteria for the Transportation Priorities Plan. So staff are recommending that we move this forward uh, for a planning grant application for which we can then go out and work with our communities to identify what their needs and vision are to improve safety and mobility. 
The next one I want to highlight is Fruit Ridge Road. Uh, Fruit Ridge has five vehicle lanes, standard bike lanes, attached sidewalks, no tree canopy. You're seeing a theme here. Uh, the ADT ranges anywhere from 11,000 to 31,000 vehicles per day, and the posted speed limit is 40 miles per hour. And why I say that is that these things are important in context. We're talking about placemaking, places where people can be, where they can safely travel, uh, and we can support our, our local communities and our local businesses. Um, this is continuing an existing project that we have at the City of Sacramento. So if you remember, it was either a month or two months ago, we had a presentation on Fruit Ridge. Um, and this will be continuing it further to the west, coming all the way across. Fruit Ridge is identified in the current draft general plan as a candidate for a road diet, assuming that that moves forward through approval for the general plan. This area experienced 464 injury crashes in the last 10 years, 18 severe injuries, and 10 fatalities. It's an area that lacks basic infrastructure, is lower income, and is home to those who, those who have faced racism and bias. Elder Creek Road is our third corridor that we are proposing to apply for this grant for. It includes five vehicle lanes, standard bike lanes, attached sidewalk, no tree canopy, and the ADT ranges from 20 to 27,000 vehicles per day. And the posted speed limit ranges between 40 and 45 miles per hour. It is on the high injury network, and it is a priority project in the transportation priorities plan. There are 327 injury crashes in the last 10 years, 28 severe injuries, and eight fatalities. And like the other corridors, it lacks basic infrastructure, is lower income, and is home to those who have faced racism and bias. And this one's a little bit different. So while those seem like corridors that um, you know maybe don't bring joy and, and needs to have dry butts in them, this one I think project is a little bit more uplifting. It's a wayfinding project. And so for, for those who walk or bike in our great city, uh, you know if you're experienced, you know you're probably not choosing the same streets that you drive on. Um, but you only know that through experience. Uh, and knowing folks and telling folks that when I first moved to Sacramento, I was always biking on H Street until I met somebody who was like, there are better streets to bike on than H Street, maybe a little bit more comfortable. But I didn't know that because I was new to Sacramento. Um, and so what we're proposing to do, or how to get to transit, how do you get to the light rail station? How do you get to Sac Valley train station? How do you do those things if you don't know those things? So not only is it an education tool, it's an encouragement tool to show folks that it would only be four minutes to bike to Cesar Chavez Plaza. Um, it would only be 30 minutes to, not 30 minutes is a long time, let's say 15 minutes to, to walk to the light rail station or whatever it might be. Um, and so what we want to do, and this is something different for the city, we traditionally have focused on nuts and bolts infrastructure. Uh, we have a pilot bicycle wayfinding project that was born out of um, the building of Golden One. And actually to connect to Sabas at the time, bike ballet for Golden One that used to be held at Cesar Chavez Plaza. And so that's why the only bikeway wayfinding signs you'll see are those these ones here in the example. Uh, and we found that one, the, they seem to communicate some good information. Uh, the travel time and distances seem appropriate, and I think we can expand on that pilot that we did, uh, I want to say 2016, 2017. So staff are proposing that we um, go after a plan to uh, identify networks, destinations, and, and a framework for how we would do a wayfinding program for those who are walking and bicycling. So we're asking for the commission to make a pass a motion to make a recommendation. I'm not going to read the whole thing here, um, but basically to, to affirm your support for staff's recommendations uh, onto council so we can take it to council in December and the applications are due in January. 
With that, that is my presentation. Thank you so much, and I look forward to your discussion. Thank you so much for your presentation. Uh, clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. We have no speakers who wish to speak on this item. Thank you. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? If not, I have a couple questions. I'll just ask mine first, maybe this time. Change it up. Um, okay. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm really excited about all these projects and I really appreciate the level of detail that you provided um, uh, for selecting which areas um, of the city you wanna pursue these grants in. Um, I was just curious if you could speak a little bit more on the wayfinding project and if you know if um, any other cities have been successful in getting that type of grant funded through this program. I believe other cities have. It's not traditionally a well-funded program through, through, uh, type of grant through this, um, but there's no harm in trying. I think there's a need in our city for this, and it's probably one of the better of the grant programs that are available to us. I think this is probably the most appropriate. Thank you. Yeah. No, I'm I definitely in, in support of the idea. I just was curious if it's the best use of your time, if it's, you know, maybe an idea. Um, and if they're doing any, you know, uh, um, meetings with applicants prior to applying. I would encourage staff um, to, to check and, and see if this is, um, you know, if they have other examples or other applications that you could look in uh, when putting together um, yours. Um, but I will go over to Commissioner Harris. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Um, I have one first question and then just, I guess, a statement. Um, are you asking us to provide any prioritization or are we just voting for support? Interesting question, Commissioner Harris. Um, no, we're not asking for prioritization. I think that we would like to go for all four um, and uh, see how Caltrans responds. <laughs> Maybe we'll be the only four they get. Um, I, I, I'm really supportive. I think these are great. I love seeing these projects that are outside of um, the grid. The grid is amazing. But as you know, I live outside the grid and um, it is incredibly important to do these long-term plans. Um, particularly excited about the possibility of improving that particular section of Auburn that you've highlighted. Um, I did not know we could give presentations and I will do that. I should have brought a picture of this section of road. Um, it is about as bad as you can imagine. I just like whatever you're thinking, take it down by two steps. Um, it is very, very bad. It has caused the, the residents and the um, businesses that are on there are in, really struggling. I'm looking for a plan and there. I, I think um, that it has a huge potential to be a potential new bikeway. Um, so as we're going through that, I think it could really be that connection to move towards Roseville and Auburn. Um, and can at minimum connect to existing bike paths because there is not a path from Auburn and a safe way to get there because it is not safe to bike on that portion. Do not recommend it. Um, so yeah, I just wanna say, I think it's an exciting um, opportunity. I would ask that should we get the wayfinding um, signage, which I love. I would love to see some wayfinding signs um, in my neighborhood that we don't just locate them on the best paths because those are the ones that are the best used that we look at a spread so that we're making sure that people are encouraged to find new paths and that they're part of that plan. Thank you. 
Thank you, Commissioner Harris. Um, and yeah, while staff isn't prioritizing, I could see council asking <laughs> uh, that question. So maybe something to think about um, if there is, uh, if that does come up. Uh, Commissioner Gibson. I just like to echo a lot of the points Commissioner Harris made. Um, I actually used to work right outside of the project area for the Arden Way Auburn Boulevard area on the west side of that. And um, there is, it's the epitome, Arden Way there is the epitome of one of those designs where it's high speed and high interaction with a transit node um, for a very well used light rail station and um, some of our most popular small businesses north of the river. Um, so I really appreciate that this was selected as one of the priorities. Um, although I haven't seen anything bad with my own eyes, I certainly know it happens all the time just by seeing the way the community members have to use it because, well, um, it's designed for drag racing and there are people that want to hang out and uh, spend their time there and it's not the right design. And so if that comes, I would love to see potentially a protected bikeway, you know, some a physical separation barriers. I actually think it would work really well along the light rail track, but I know that's early in the grant process. So that's just early comments if you happen to get it. So thank you for your work on this, and I really appreciate it, and also for the uh, wayfinding, and also stuff outside of the grid is always appreciated, since almost all my time is spent outside of the grid, except for coming here for these meetings. <laughs> uh, Commissioner Hodel. Thank you. <laughs> um, I love all the projects. I think they're needed. I think they're in great places. Um, they are, uh, I, I'm actually here from District 1 to ask how can, okay, so District 1, I would have to say, is not underserved. We, ha we do not lack basic infrastructure. We're not lower income, and we probably have an ex experienced racism and bias, and yet, there are projects in that area also that need uh, need consideration. For example, a snowy egret um, bike ped bridge that connects the west side of North Natomas, west of I-5, the west side from the east side where most of the amenities are. So I'm just wondering, is that project like impossible in the whole view forward? Is there anything we can do or the residents can do to elevate a project of that type when we don't fit <laughs> the constraints of that. And then I have just one additional comment on the wayfinding. Great idea, I love it. Jibe is already proposing and in uh, pro progressing toward signage up to the end of their service area, which is I-80. If signage could continue, we would have one long streak. So just something to consider. Okay, thank you. Of course, Commissioner Hodel, um, the, to your first comment about being able to fund improvements or plans in areas that don't, aren't disadvantaged, um, that is a struggle that we face at the city. So as I think all of you know, we, we fund, all of our work are funded through competitive grants. And the competitive grants at the stage for, for what we can and can't do. We have tried to get funding for North Thomas and have just been unable. And at this point, because the grants take a lot of staff resources and expense, anywhere between thirty dollars and $50,000 per each, we really only want to go after ones that we think are going to be competitive for that. So, we, so we're unable to. So that's part of our challenge, with whether it's Snowy Egret or some other effort. So as for example, Mel was here, Mel from Jibe was here earlier with our, our engineering staff because Jibe is funding and lobbied for very special state dollars that came to 
uh, north of Chomis, because that's essentially one of the only ways that we're able to fund projects that aren't in disadvantaged communities or are not one of our highest rate corridors for traffic fatalities. So do I have an easy answer for you? I don't. I wish that I had enough money to do every project that is needed in the city of Sacramento. Our $5.4 billion need, but we don't have all that money. And so we have to prioritize, and the outcome of that was the transportation priorities plan. Um, and, and particularly for North Thomas, it is a planned community. So the Snowy Egret Crossing was developed as part of the plan for developing North Thomas. Um, but the funding for that crossing wasn't identified in the financing plan. So it's something that um, there might be other ways where things like that could be funded, um, but through competitive grants, it's not a, a likely option. That was your first question. And your second question was about wayfinding, continuing the wayfinding effort that um, uh, North of Thomas Drive is working on. It's something we can definitely put to the table. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, Commissioner Banks. Yeah, like everybody else, great projects. I'm really excited. We were just talking about Arden Way and Auburn this morning in our office, so really excited to see it here. Um, my comments are about the wayfinding part as well. I really hope that that does get funded. That'd be really cool. And um, for me, the wayfinding, like the the picture that you just put up there of Cesar Chavez, A, I didn't know that it was before my time at um, Saba, yay, go Jim. Um, but it is... Um, what I'm going to push for is some um, standardization of kind of the wayfinding across the whole city. So whatever Jibe is doing, it should kind of sink in to maybe what, let's say we get it, that, um, that it somehow looks and feels has its own same connected, you know, look and feel as everything else. And I will say that that, that specific sign and all the signs in the grid while they do what you say, uh, 0.4 miles in four minutes, they're really hard to see because there's a lot of tree canopy, so they kind of blend in to our trees. Hard to see and really hard to see at night. So something brighter, more fun, something that really makes them stand out as that helps say Sacramento is a great place to ride your bike would be my two cents. Thanks. Thanks, Commissioner Banks. I think one of the challenges we face is that the city... Uh, follows the California Manual on Uniform Traffic Control Devices <laughs> and, and the, the otherwise known as the CAMUTCD that we affectionately just love. Um, bicycle wayfinding is prescribed in the, the CAMUTCD. And so this is a small modification of what the bicycle wayfinding sign is. Um, and so that's how we move forward with this design because it is modified. And Jibes is going to be similar in this context as well. Um, they have modified it, like for the Jackrabbit Trail, there's a rabbit, right? Just doing its little rabbit thing. Um, and so for that, for bikeway wayfinding, it's prescribed. For walking wayfinding, it falls under community wayfinding under the MUTCD where there's more leverage. Um, and so that's going to be harder to coordinate because, as you know, we've got downtown has their wayfinding. The Midtown Association just rolled out their own wayfinding. And so that's going to be a little bit more challenging to figure out, but that's why we're seeking funding to help us have the resources to be able to figure all of that out. Are those guidelines set in stone or are they strongly encouraged suggestions? They are shalls. So they're shalls, shoulds, and mays, I think. And so the, the MUTCD is pretty prescriptive. And so any deviation from the MUTCD requires the buy-off on the city traffic engineer. Liability concerns. I will just add uh, that the California MUTCD does, does have an advisory committee as well. So <laughs> if you're really passionate about this and want to make changes, 
participate or try to tune into their meeting. It's the California Traffic Control Devices Committee. So just the CTCDC. Yes, the CTCDC. <laughs> Hottest meeting in town. Um, great. Uh, I don't see any more hands. I guess I just had one last comment. I don't want to even say that you aren't going to get funded, but do you have a backup plan to pursue any other grants next year if you aren't awarded for the same planning uh, studies that you're hoping to get funded? Uh, so our understand it's hard to predict the funding world because we don't manage it. Our understanding that next year the funding opportunities that might be related to this is obviously the Caltrans Sustainable Transportation Planning. Then there's the Active Transportation Program, which I'm sure Chair Dewar Westbrook you're familiar with, uh, and that is a potential. Um, and so we have not started strategizing. We've had one meeting to think about okay, what do we, what can we do, or what what projects have have a great already in the works and need more money, but we haven't gotten down that road yet. And that's probably those two that are most appropriate. SACOG has a call for projects right now, um, which I'm blanking on the name. It's a new funding program they have where the wayfinding might fall under. Um, we're gonna look into that. But for, for the corridor projects, this is, this is the grant program that would fund this type of work. And, and generally we wanna get it funded through here so we're not competing for our walking and biking design and infrastructure projects through the ATP program. So we're always looking for funding. Yeah, I was going to say, the, the, the plan funding is totally separate from the infrastructure portion. So um, I think it, it, it would, could still make sense if you wanted to pursue that. I wonder if the application for ATP for programming is less arduous than the infrastructure piece. <clears throat> As a manager for the plan and non-infrastructure, it is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, could, I could tell you it is. <laughs> um, so yeah, glad, glad to hear that um, your team is already kind of thinking about about other opportunities if you're not to be successful in this, but that's not going to happen. So good luck. Um, I think this is, yeah, we yes, need to I, vote on this. I move that we recommend uh, that the city council approve the four projects in staff report. Great. So I have a motion from Commissioner Hopped. Second. And a second from Commissioner Gibson. Uh, clerk, can you please call the roll for a vote? Thank you. Commissioner Banks. Yes. Commissioner Gibson. Yes. Commissioner Gonzalez? Aye. Commissioner Harris? Aye. Commissioner Hodel? Aye. Commissioner Hopp? Aye. Commissioner Rowe? Aye. Vice Chair Granville? Aye. Chair Dewey Westbrook? Aye. Thank you. The motion passes. Thank you so much and good luck. Thank you. Okay. Our last item of the evening is item number six the Active Transportation uh, 2023 Annual Report. Jeff's not here tonight, so I think Jennifer will be standing in. Take Absolutely. it away. Absolutely. Thank you, Chair. So Jeff Gelsma is on vacation right now, so I am filling in for him on this item. Commissioners Jennifer dolan Wyant, Transportation Planning Manager, very happy to be before you this evening. This is the culmination of many months of work with the Commission to get to this point, and I'm excited to be at the point where we are going to be asking for a motion and approval to bring this to City Council. This is your 2023 annual report, your second report that this commission has put together to bring forward to city council. So um, as you re I'm sure remember, we have taken this item in August, September, and October of this year uh, to work together as a group in full public view and public participation to develop this report. Your comments to date, I'm just a summary of comments, are that you wanted to add a preamble, change some of the photos, be consistent with the 2022 report in the, the recommendations since the 2022 report, it's still 
in conversations with city council and to include the cost estimates. Um, and our recommendation today is that you um, pass a motion to forward this report on to city council. So a summary of the recommendations, and I'm not going into detail because we've gone through this many times over the last couple months, um, but what we've done is, is that we've uh, updated the, the photos in the document, the preamble as discussed, uh, included the cost estimates and some clarification on the costs. When it dug in a little bit deeper, uh, I had an error in my spreadsheet last month and we fixed that. It was a minor, not a significant cost. Um, but we outlined it, I think, as you have requested to have um, these projects with an initial, which will require additional six staff to, to run these new programs. Initial cost of about $10.7 million the first year and then an ongoing cost of closer to $9 million annual um, cost. So with that, um, seeking staff recommendation to move this forward. Happy to take comments, questions, and um, look forward to the discussion. Thank you. Thank you so much. Short and sweet. Uh, Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Yes, thank you. Chair, we do have several. I will go ahead and start calling. Jerry Champa. Hi, good evening, everyone. Uh, my name is Jerry Champa, and uh, I'm a resident of Sacramento since 1990. I've lived in the pocket. I've lived in East Sacramento, and I now live in Land Park. Um, I am a recreational cyclist, and I have ridden my bike, commuted to work uh, with my bike. Um, and I have been a strong advocate for traffic safety and mobility in my community basically since the Freeport Road Diet Project was being planned back around 2014. Um, I am also a strong advocate for the optimal use of public resources. Uh, for our infrastructure improvements uh, and innovative solutions, as well as proven countermeasures. Um, but I'm here tonight as part of a, a group of, of advocates, uh, slow and active street advocates, active transportation advocates, who will present a transportation plan, uh, which consists of several concept proposals, um, well thought out infrastructure um, projects focused on completing, modifying, adjusting, and even closing some of the streets, um, for instance, in Land Park, uh, in William Land Park, and also um, those streets which serve a lot of the traffic that goes from South Sacramento up to Midtown, um, as well as serving the neighborhoods, several neighborhoods around uh, the park itself. Um, the concepts range from street closures, slow and active street projects, um, safe routes to school proposals, and safety improvements to fix existing problems. Yes, there are crash concentrations. And yes, there is a lot of incomplete infrastructure around the city. Um, and some of that is on these streets we're gonna talk about tonight. Um, so um, I guess I, without further ado, I would like to uh, defer the rest of my time and uh, have the next speaker go. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. I have Kobe. Please forgive me, Sonoyami? Sonoyama. Yes. So um, one of the uh, proposals that we have, I'm also a Land Park resident, um, is to close the golf course loop uh, in William Land Park on 14th Avenue. That would um, prevent vehicles from being able to travel from Freeport to Land Park via 14th Avenue here. And so we would propose that we 
modify the gates here at uh, Sutterville, Freeport, and 13th so that vehicles cannot enter into the park from those um, access points and make it so that um, bicycles and pedestrians can safely access the park from, park from Freeport uh, through 14th Avenue down to Lamb Park, um, and thereby giving not only the pedestrians safe access and bicyclists safe access to uh, 14th Avenue, but allowing pedestrians and, and bicyclists access to the uh, loop as well. And of course, we understand that if we were to close 14th Avenue to the um, vehicles, this would impact uh, 13th Avenue and 11th Avenue. So um, before we would do that closure, we would just wanna make sure we have a mitigation strategy for 13th and 11th Avenue to make sure that um, you know traffic is not heavily impacted on those two streets. We also wanna point out that at 11th and Lamb Park, and Sutterville and Mead, we would need mitigation strategies for those intersections as well, as these intersections um, have a high history of um, collisions and accidents at uh, those two intersections. So, thank you. Thank you for your comments. And just to make clarify, to clarify, the report covers the programs, not necessarily the projects. So, if we can make sure that it does relate to the item, thank you. Next speaker, is it Elena Wong? Alina. Alina Wong. A little over four years ago, on October 22nd, 2019, I was biking to Cal Middle when I was hit by a SUV driven by a 17-year-old boy going to McClatchy High School. I broke three teeth, a femur, my skull, jaw, humerus, fractured my tibia, and sustained a traumatic brain injury. I spent 21 days recovering at the UC Davis Medical Center. Still, it took months until I could perform well physically, and I still suffer from recurring physical trauma. The official police report says that neither the driver nor his passenger saw the pedestrian crossing lights. The lights at the Sutterville Mead intersection are formally called solar-powered rectangular rapid flashing beacons, which is a long and unnecessary way to say that they don't actually work. These lights are attached to poles coming straight out of the sidewalk so drivers cannot see them without looking away from the road. And to make matters worse, worse there are some, they are the same color as the sun, so you definitely cannot see them at 7 in the morning. My parents have always allowed me to be fairly independent. I have been able to get myself to school without any help since fourth grade. Though this independence ended up being the reason I was biking, it was not the reason I got hit. With roads as dangerous as the ones in Sacramento, children are not safe traveling to school, whether on foot, bike, or even car. By helping secure the safety, by fixing the infrastructure in both the Sutterville Mead intersection and other areas on school routes, we can create a safer environment for children traveling to and from school. This will help protect and make commuting easier for children like me, support teenagers learning to drive, one still new to their license, like the boy who hit me, and even adults who have been driving for years. This will not only help protect children from physical harm, but also the mental harm of being in a vehicle that struck a 12-year-old girl. As a 16-year-old learning to drive, going as fast as the traffic around me is the most difficult thing I've faced and I can't seem to figure it out. Why would I go 50 miles per hour on Freeport if there are people's lives at stake around me? I know my reaction time is not fast Thank enough to stop. Thank you for your comments. Me. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Matt Malkin. Matt, just to remind you, if you could please keep it to the item number six. If not, we should do public comments. 
not a man on the agenda. Thank you. So um, I'm going to talk about Land Park one more time. Uh, there's three main streets, Riverside, Land Park Drive, and Freeport Boulevard. And uh, Freeport Boulevard uh, had a lane conversion project in 2008. And what that happened there is that the mitigation strategy was recommended and the EIR was that there would be a uh, signal at Second and Land Park Drive. Second, as you might know, would be also impacted by the Broadway uh, project. They did not study Riverside. Uh, currently, there is no traffic control there. Uh, there was a subsequent road diet in, uh, um, in 2016. And uh, again, cars moved to Land Park Drive and Riverside as a result, as predicted in the EIR with no mitigation strategy. There's also been two fatalities at Riverside and Swanston in the past decade, right next to a school during daylight hours. So uh, as we presented, there's a, we have to find some ways to get these kids to school uh, uh, through active transportation. And that includes um, the closed loop that we had there earlier. And the other question here is what has happened on, on Land Park Drive as a result of the Free Park projects. They're great, except that we have now more crashes, reckless driving, and road rage where we didn't have as much before. So the solution there is to fix those problems uh, that have been created. So remember, Land Park is the key for many neighborhoods, the freeways, the roads that lead to downtown and to the neighborhood schools and the college, and the active transportation network, which should follow Vision Zero goals. So through this broken chain uh, of active transportation projects, we have everything around Land Park, including all the great things at Central City and the Del Rio Trail, but those are disjointed because there's no way to connect them. So what should the city do? Well, the city should follow the Active Transportation Commission. You should have roundabouts, uh, safe routes to school, streets that children can walk on, and use quick build technologies as possible. Thank you for your comments. Chair, one more speaker. John Meridak. Good evening, um, John Meredith Simkowick. I'm a, a resident of Hollywood Park in District Five. Thank you so much for all you do. Um, I wasn't. I'm not. I'm not sure if I was choreographed quite correctly. I maybe I can't connect it to this. Can you maybe help me to understand how maybe something like this could be addressed by by the efforts of this commission? I um, I thought that this item was about the safe route to school to to go through Land Park that are my my friends my neighbors are so slyly advocating help. for um but anyway yeah, yeah if, if you guys could help me out because i i would like my kids go to sutterville elementary school and um i helped i i advocated for the freeport boulevard transportation plan i'm so excited about the fruit Ridge road one if you guys need letters i can try and <laughs> um so um but anyway yeah maybe you guys could just help connect it all to to my to my friends and neighbors and we can maybe see about doing something thank you Thank you so much. Yeah, I can try to clarify a little bit. So for the item tonight is we're finalizing our 2023 annual report and within it we make a number of recommendations. So the idea is that as a commission we will agree on all the language and the recommendations and then that will go forward to city council. So within our plan we have a uh, request around safe routes to school and the need to fund a permanent position 
to do safe routes to school programming across the city. So there, there is a connection. We're, we're not, well, and slow and active streets, exactly. We also have um, language in there around there. What we don't do in our plan is provide specific locations. And so that comes at a later time, usually through a planning document. So you could think of like the uh, Streets for People plan that the city is working on right now. That would be an opportunity for community members to pinpoint specific locations where they want to see these improvements made. So it's more appropriate to do that there. I, I still really am grateful that you all came out tonight and pro provided us with all this information and statistics and, and shared your personal experience traveling to school. And I'm so sorry that uh, you had to be hospitalized. Um, but yeah, just for a formality thing, this is just, a, we're approving our plan. Um, so if you want to add, if you wanted to provide additional things that should be included within it, that's how you would bring that forward to us, if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, I muted myself. And you can chime in. Just to chime in really fast, you can also address in the public comments matters not on the agenda. So you're more than welcome to, to discuss it there. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then I, uh, Commissioner Banks, this is the old hand? Old one. Okay. Or did you have something you wanted to say? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and Jennifer's back. Sure. It's an old hand. I'll take advantage of it. Uh, thank you, Commissioner uh, Dor Westbrook. Um, I'm all in, as you know, for our report, and I'm, I have a question about it. I'm really, um, I mean, I'm all in, as you 100% know, but I also am a little bit concerned about the teeth that it really has. So we'll take it to council. Hopefully they'll say yes. But what, do we have any idea of the likelihood of it getting funded? Because that's really where the rubber meets the road, and we want to keep the rubber side down. So I'm curious about your and be, about your two cents on that. And just before you answer that, one comment to all of those people that just came forward. Really, thank you so much for that presentation. And I don't know whether or not you've talked to the Parks Commission as well, but because you're in Land Park, even though it's a city road, you, there might be some overlap there. So think about going to talk to people in the Parks Commission as well. Okay, back to you Great. and my question. Thank you. Commissioner Banks, um, first to speak to the streets within the park, they're actually not public work streets. They are streets that are owned and managed by the parks. Yipsy Youth Parks and Community Enrichment Department. Um, and so we don't have any control. My department, Public Works, has no control over the streets within the park. Um, just to that. And then to your question about the chances of council funding it. You know, I'm not that high on the ranking within the city. I, I, I don't want to look into a crystal ball and give you an answer on that. I think that, um, I think that the city always faces budget challenges. I think there are projected significant budget challenges. Um, and so I can't answer. I'm sorry. It's where the advocacy part takes over. I am aware of that. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Gonzalez. Thank you for the report. Uh, it's nice to have it drafted so early. Sounds like we'll be able to turn it in um, on the front end of 2024, which is great. I do have one question, though. Um, item one, I did go back to watch the meeting uh, from last month, and I, I believe we landed, and Don, please correct me, because I think you made the motion, that we would do $3 million the first year and then an increase of 10% each year after that. And I see that we have a recurring annual cost estimate that's static. 
So do we want to describe that in a way that the commission recommended, or was there a reason why we decided to change in the report? Commissioner Gonzalez, um, I think I missed that. I, um, it'd also be difficult to include in a simple table, but what I can do is go back and change that. We can make a revision to the narrative to clarify that it was, how much was it again? 10% annually. 10% annually? I went back to watch it. Because <laughs> I, I, I mean, my recollection, we had a long discussion, so I wanted to make sure that my recollection was correct. But in, in rewatching the meeting, that's where we landed. It was $3 million to start, 10% increase annually thereafter. Mm -hmm. You're imperfect. Thank you for the, the reference and the comment. We'll make that. Thank you. Otherwise, you know, when we're done discussing it, I will support this fully. Uh, Commissioner Gibson. Uh, yeah, that is my recollection of what I said. Again, I know we were here <coughs> quite late. And the 10% uh, uh, is for inflation, not just for CPI, but also for construction materials and labor, which we all know is always outpaces CPI. Um, thank you again for including uh, all the fine details for this report. The one question I have is when would we be scheduled to begin the process to have this to be an agenda item in front of the council? Commissioner Gibson, great question. Um, so once we clarify, we have, we, assuming you vote tonight, we make those changes, we will make those changes and then submit it um, through the clerk's office to PMP. That schedule, though, is not hours to manage it's at the discretion of the chair of that committee and so when that goes there um, and I believe Councilmember Kaplan is currently the chair of that commission so it'll be at her discretion uh, when she wants to hear it okay uh, thank you very much and just to the public commenters really appreciate all your comments about uh, issues land park and I'll look to uh, share some more words in the next item and with that I'd like to uh, move to accept the report with those uh, brief edits about inflation um, in it so I'd like to make that motion right now Okay, I actually had some comments. Um, I can retract my motion. Okay, thank you so much. <laughs> um, apologies. Um, yeah, so I do have a number of comments, and I don't know if it would be helpful to have the staff report up with the text for people to see. I mean, I have them all written down, and I can communicate this via email, but I know it's sometimes easier for people to see visually. Is it possible to show the staff report? Sorry, I didn't. Great, because I didn't know if it was possible. <laughs> Um, and I can just, I'll just briefly start going. I mean, they're, they're I think, all pretty minor. Um, first one, just, uh, I think it's one of the second or third pages. You use the acronym ATC. Just use that throughout the whole document because then you repeat Active Transportation Commission over and over again. So um, just, yeah, carry that throughout. Um, also, I think there's on the second page again, you bold active and you bold commission but you don't bold transportation so just the title <laughs> um, fixed there uh, I think it would be helpful to have the districts of each commissioner um, after their title I think it has this all listed but doesn't um, identify what district we're representing or if you're appointed by the mayor or the P PNPE um, so I just uh, would recommend adding uh, that Mr. Dewar, before we go, a chair Dewar, mm -hmm. before we go off that, um, we we can we want to be clear though that you commissioners don't represent a district. The only person that represents a district is the council member that was elected. You were up, uh, recommended for appointment, and the mayor then appoints you to, to those positions. So it's a subtle nuance, but it's really imp important legally, and and what, um, so that's why we didn't reference. We can reference the seat, though, that you hold, and that might be a happy compromise for you. 
I'm fine with that compromise. Yeah, thanks for clarifying why it wasn't included. Oh, perfect. Okay, so if you just scroll down. Do I have control oh, over go here? To the next, or I can do that too. I have control. Let oh, perfect. Look at that. Where okay. Awesome. So keep going. Uh, that's me right now, Commissioner, uh, Chair. There we go. Okay. So, um, sorry. Maybe it would be, would it be helpful if I was just up there? Because then I could. I think you have to be up I have there. to be. Just okay. tell me what page. Do you have the page number? Uh, of course I have it for every other one. Oh, page three. Page three. That is page five. Page, um, the actual page three, not the page. The PDF page yeah, three? Yeah, the PDF page three. Um, in the staff report? No, sorry. So then that would be page one, page two, page three. Yeah, right there. It says, uh, go down. I'm going to make it smaller so I can fit the whole page in there. It says 2023 active trans, active, uh, okay. bold, just bold. No problem. Um, okay. Um, on page five, if you could just include links to project websites that highlight, um, for the highlights and accomplishments, I think that would be... Mm, we would love to do that, Chair Dua Westbrook. However, we're moving to a new website. Okay. Ideally, within the next month or two, so those links wouldn't work. Got it. We're okay. actually thinking ahead. You. Okay. Yeah, I just thought if there's any opportunity to point folks directly to to what you're talking about, that's great. Maybe it's something that can be done at a later time. Then. Absolutely. Um, okay. And then just a recommendation: um, that paragraph that says in 2023 of active transportation, move that uh, to the following page so that all of the meeting. Uh, highlights are on page six and seven. Got it. Okay. Um, on page eight, uh, I was going to suggest that you just link to the Vision Zero policy, which I don't, unless that one is, nope, going to change as well. The entire city's website is transitioningcommunity.org. <laughs> so no web links won't be working for the next couple of months. Apologies. Okay. Um, on page eight, it says, recommends the following policies. Um, and I think that's right. These aren't policies that we're recommending. So I propose that it says, uh, provides 10 recommendations that would. And then the rest of the sentence still makes sense. Um, on page nine. I don't know what page nine is anymore. Okay. Uh, it should say, um, it's in regards to uh, funding, transportation funding. So I think that's one up. Um, okay, there is a reference to a measure A. It says, with the failing of measure A, I think it should say, with insufficient funds available through Measure A. We used that previous language when it was just after the measure failing, so we're, we're past that now. Um, Do you repeat that, Chair? Yes. Change it to, with insufficient funds available through Measure A. Um, and then also, I think we had asked for each... Um, asked to clearly state what we're asking for, and we don't 
do that for the safe routes to school position. So can we add the ATR, ATC request for a safe routes to school position? I think that was the only one where we didn't specifically call out the ask. <clears throat> and you're requesting actually as of last, last month, uh, two positions, correct? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think the information was yeah, the correct, but the ask just wasn't stated. Um, and, and, then, and then this comment, I mean, it's going to go for all of them. Uh, the cost seemed to reflect more than just staffing, and I believe it was a request of Commissioner Harris that we separate the staffing and the program costs. Correct, and we also discussed we're unable to do that. Okay. Because there are, well, there's program costs where, where commissioners say, you know, uh, you ask that we add a million dollars for whatever program. But when we talk about other things, um, that is um, like infrastructure, uh, when our crews go out and they install, we don't have, it's, we can't track their time and their resources versus my time or my team's time. So we're unable to break that out. What I can do is that I say that we, um, because I get their, I get their fully, I get the whole bundle together of like the cost for the post as well as the cost for the paint and their staff time all together. So I'm unable to capture that out. Um, what I am able to capture out though is that, for example, we have a senior planner, associate planner. That is the cost for two staff. That is the cost for their salary, the overhead that is required that we all pay into, and their benefits. Um, so it's greater than their income, but those are all the things that we need to consider, particularly in public works, where you're not a general fund funded department. Got it. Okay, so that actually is. That is just staff costs. Oh, okay. I thought it was other things. Not what staff are paid, but yeah, that is staff okay, costs. okay. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying yes. that. Okay. Um, page 10. So the next, uh, in regards to the speed management program, just a link to those bills. Uh, AB 43 and AB uh, 1938. Okay, um, the next is, I have it as my page 11, so I think it's the next one from here. Um, because we separated out the lending, in our previous report, the lending library and the e-bike incentives were one, now they're separate. So this e-bike incentives paragraph shouldn't still include language to the lending library. And it does. So um, my recommendation was just take, take out that. Um, uh, where it says, so have it say the, ATRs, the ATC strongly encourages the city to seek. And um, the last sentence. Yes, and, the, and yeah, exactly. The CARB program is not launching this year. So do you want us to, is your comment to remove reference to the CARB program? No, I just, uh, because it gets pushed back all the time. It's the this year part that's Oh, got it. I see the first sentence of the paragraph. We'll be launching soon. That's fine. Perfect. Perfect. In the near future. Yeah. Maybe not soon. <laughs> Whenever that happens. Um, okay. 
Uh, do, 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 do. I, I guess I had a question on if we're asking for a million, what is the 175,000? It's the half of a senior planner, I'm guessing? Correct. That seemed like a lot for half of a position, but if that, but now I understand there's other costs. Ed and yep. benefits Overhead. and yep. all that, yeah. Okay. Um, on the following page on uh, bike racks. Okay, uh, there's a sentence that says, is unaware of how many bike rack requests are being denied due to budget limitations. I, I, that's, we've discussed that, so I think that can be removed. Um, so the sentence, let's see. Yeah. So um, I, I think it should say the ATC would appreciate additional funding be secured for this program if possible. So again, you're just removing the, the, the line that says we're unaware of how much is there. You're keeping the rest of so the So the sentence. second to last sentence in yes. the first paragraph, which currently states the ACC is unaware of how many bike rack requests are being denied due to budget limitations, but would appreciate, da, da, da. you would just say the, the ATC would appreciate. Mm -hmm. Additional funding be secured for this program. Let's just say for this program, ignore the if possible. Okay. Okay. And uh, page 13, the following. Okay, I think it has to do with, oh, with the ATC dashboard. Um, do, 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 do. Let's see. Oh, okay. Uh, impact on the community's ability to stay update, updated on efforts underway by the city and the commission. I think that the dashboard would serve a purpose of both, not just what we're doing, but what um, you all are doing as well. Uh, and just my last comment, I, I noticed there was um, a lack of diversity in the photos that were selected for the final report. Um, and so I know we've asked for some changes on that, but um, I don't think the photos that are in there now fully reflect uh, our community. So that would just be, and, and we, I could send you one, but if it's gonna create too much trouble, we can leave it as is and do better next year. Chair Dewar Westbrook, we have limited photos uh, at our disposal. We are, our last photo shoot that we did was in 2019, right before the pandemic. <laughs> and uh, we are definitely in need of doing a new photo shoot. We just don't have the time or the resources to do that. Um, so if there's a specific, I'm hesitant to suggest that anybody send me one because I want to make sure it has full yeah. approval by everybody and we don't have the ability or time to do that at this point. Totally fine. I think we'd just be better about it next time. I'm sorry? I think we can just be better about it next time and, and make sure we go through the process to get photos in advance of trying to finalize the document. Maybe so. we can do a call for photos. Yes, great, I know Saba has a lot. <laughs> They'd be great partners in this. Okay, well I appreciate everyone listening to those edits, but I, I do think they were pretty minor and just some editorial thing, uh, text changes to the documents. So um, with that, that's all I have. Do we want to, oh, uh, Commissioner Harris? Yeah, Commissioner Harris. Uh, I motion that we approve the report. Oh. With the changes. Thank you. Great.
Let's have a motion from Commissioner Harris, a second from Commissioner Hodel. Uh, clerk, can you please call the roll for a vote? Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Banks? Aye. Commissioner Gibson? Aye. Commissioner Gonzalez? Aye. Commissioner Harris? Aye. Commissioner Hodel? Aye. Commissioner Hopp? Aye. Commissioner Rowe? Aye. Vice Chair Granville? Aye. Chair Dewar Westbrook? Aye. Thank you. The motion passes. Yeah, good job. <laughs> done before eight. Awesome. Well, we're not done just yet. Okay. Um, our last item for tonight is, sorry, I'm all, all out of order here. Uh, the last item is public comments matters not on the agenda. Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on public comments matters not on the agenda? Yes, thank you, Chair. I have two speakers. Jerry Champa. Last meeting of the year, so I'm <laughs> handing off an early uh, holiday gift. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I just want to say that I'm going to change the, the comments presentation I was going to deliver because of what transpired earlier and the confusion. Um, so I would like to uh, go ahead and talk about what's important. See if this works. Okay. Um, so, you know, more money, more resources, more projects, okay? That's kind of the connection I think people were, were thinking here. Um, let's hope. Um, but it's not just where to spend the dollars. It's, it's equally important to use the best solutions and strategies. And I don't know if that's covered, and that's maybe a later part as well as, as prioritization and where to spend the money. So that's what I'm going to talk about, and this is really planting a seed maybe for something in, in early 2024. Um, this is a picture of the widest two-lane residential arterial in Sacramento, I believe. It's 68 feet wide, curb to curb. It's a two-lane road, and it goes through a, a residential neighborhood, and uh, it also takes people to William Lamb Park. It's very incomplete, okay, and it, it, it's lacking everything. Um, 68 feet for Peds the Cross, that's a school crossing. No islands, nothing. No speed control, no traffic control for long distances in the corridor. So this is a, a, one of the biggest needs, um, as well as the lack of um, a, safe, a safe route to school. Um, I just want to quickly uh, reiterate um, a lot of problems here. This is a land park drive in the middle. Hot spots are shown. Um, Freeport projects display 6,000 cars a day when the road died and these other two projects were implemented in 2017 and passed. Those cars, some of them went to Land Park Drive. That's the source of the problem here. So mitigation's needed. So this is a, maybe it's not a big plan. It's, it's a project that's probably ready to go or should be ready to go sooner. This is just a quick look at the crash trend that's been happening. Um, this is all in the handout that you had. And again, I'm not really here to talk about uh, getting your support for the project. For your comments, your time is up. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> so, thank you. Matt Anderson. Last time, I promise. Uh, <laughs> yes to everything he just said. I'm not a part of this presentation, but I think it's amazing how much work they've put into this, and I'm really excited. Uh, those are really powerful stories, and I hope that something comes of this in the upcoming year because I think they've got it planned out, even if um, the city isn't quite there yet. Uh, I actually don't have much to say. I just wanted to comment. There was a question earlier, I mean, about the funding and getting projects. It's the eternal problem, 
And you know, Jibe is, am is amazing because they are kind of independent of city funding, which is really cool. And I think that's something that may be worth exploring in uh, this commission further. Um, they're a transportation management authority, um, and they're kind of have a different funding setup. So that could be something that could be implemented in different districts. And uh, at least I believe it can. I'm not an expert. But it could, it could be a conversation worth having because those um, kind of different entities also could then go out and seek funding on their own and not have to rely on the city for funding for projects. Just a, just a thought for something to consider for the next year. Thank you for all you do. Thank you for your comments. Chair, that's all the speakers. Thank you so much. And I realized I skipped commissioners. Uh, for <laughs> if you had uh, any comments, ideas, questions, or anything that you want to share. But I always love to hear uh, from the community first, so I like that order better. Uh, uh, Commissioner Banks. I actually have two things. Um, one is a comment. I'm really thrilled with what you all brought forth uh, to us and stay the course and contact Sava. Um, okay, part two. Um, I have a question about um, Ride on Red. I don't know whether or not that's city policy or state policy or both, but I think we should uh, start thinking about trying to th think seriously about changing the policy of Ride on Red. I just, I don't know, is it state policy or city policy or whatever, but it is um, problematic for for uh, pedestrians, it's problematic for cyclists, for those that are using ADA, and for drivers, um, everybody. So I think we should uh, maybe agendize it, get it on the log, whatever. <laughs> I'd like for us to think about it. All right, now for the fun stuff. Saba is putting on the first annual Sacramento uh, supermarket sweep uh, on Saturday, and it is basically a food drive by bicycle. Um, get a hold of a team of people, uh, that's one, Singles, no. Two plus up to five. That's a team. Uh, meet us out at Saba HQ. We're going to give you some money. Hope that you're going to chip in some too. And then we're going to give you a map and ask you to go buy groceries. And all of those, all of those groceries will go to the River uh, City Food Bank. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun, although it might rain. So dress for success. There is no bad weather. Just poor clothing choices. Um, uh, registration for your teams closes late tonight, early tomorrow morning, so it's not too late to get some people together and come join us. It's really going to be a lot of fun. Thanks. Promotion. And yeah, I think if you want to go ahead and um, submit something for the log, for um, to have a yeah, better understanding of what the city is thinking around that, that would be my suggestion. And then you just submit that in writing uh, to Jeff or Jeff Angie. Commissioner Banks, you can submit it to both okay. Jeff and I uh, and make sure all four questions are answered. And those four questions are listed in the staff report for the log item. Fantastic. Yeah, I think it's really timely, though, that we get that included. The city of San Francisco recently implemented no turn uh, rights on red. So people are doing it. Uh, Commissioner Gonzalez. Uh, thank you. Very much. Uh, I want to thank again the public comment um, that we had tonight and the presentations we had tonight. Um, I know it may not have followed the letter of the, the rules of the of the meeting to the um, you know to the absolute detail, but I, I believe the philosophy was that we have some priorities that we're working on here and recommending City Council and, and people already have great ideas. So I definitely want to be encouraging more participation and thank you all again for coming out and the details in this are so. Remarkable. Um, I have friends on the on the 
uh, Park and Rec Commission. So if you want me to connect you there as well, I'm happy to do so. And, and I think it's a conversation they would like. As a matter of fact, if maybe if they can overwrite the city because it's their land, just do it, right? Get, get those roads closed. That'd be awesome. Um, I do. I will also be making a request to the log, though, as well. Um, I'm going to request for clarity on the rules of meeting absences, um, just to see what that is. Because <laughs> um, I, I, I don't intend to miss meetings, but it does happen, and I would hate to find out after the fact that I've missed more than was allowed because I don't know currently what is allowed. So that will be um, something I'll be following up on. And just wish uh, all the commissioners and staff uh, a happy holiday season. Commissioner Gonzalez, uh, I don't know if that's necessarily a log item, but what we can do is share the rules and procedures with all commissioners to make sure that you're aware. Uh, and just so everybody knows, there is an attendance requirement, and if you miss, I think up to three, but we can call it three meetings, you will be removed from the commission uh, within a calendar year or a year. Um, and, but we'll make sure that we distribute the, the, the rules and procedures for everybody. Thank you. If that happens, I won't, I won't put anything in the log. <laughs> Okay, Commissioner Gibson. Uh, I just want to first uh, acknowledge and thank uh, members from the Land Park community um, for doing their very detailed presentation. And I did feel it was um, an example of what our report hopes to uh, fund. So I do feel that there's a bit for Jermaine. Um, I will be following up with a log request to see about ways projects like this may be um, implemented via city policy, via log requests. I'll work on those um, questions to make sure it's um, uh, checking all the appropriate boxes before that's officially submitted. Um, for that to see that we as a commission can see a community come here ask for a very specific very well thought out thing And we can at least um, continue the conversation in our role as an advisory body um, Normally there is means for those of you I try to acknowledge um, some fatalities we've had who are pedestrians or cyclists or um, Those um, commun other community members on November 9th a man 61 years old as reported in the media um, died in a collision off on Florham Road between uh, Franklin and Bowling Drive, again, one of our um, high-impact areas. Um, by the next calendar year, I'm going to be speaking to my council members to talk about e evaluating the scope of this commission, because although it's currently just as active transportation, um, we've seen a lot of modal shifts um, in our community um, get voted down, um, such as a light rail station next to potentially one of the largest affordable housing projects in um, the city of Sacramento. And at the same time, Caltrans is trying to move forward with a, well, they are expanding the freeway already. Whether they're adding lanes, we will find out in the coming months, uh, which is um, expansion over 80 and 50, over almost a half a billion dollars, which if that money was used for sustainable transportation that many of our commissioners and staff members uh, care deeply about, um, more input directly from the city, I think, would at the very least be insightful in those conversations. Because as somebody who took that freeway anywhere from six, around six to 7,000 times in my life, and I still do daily, um, it doesn't need to be expanded. We need other options. Um, and so that is, I recognize, outside of our current purview, but I'll be speaking to my council member, seeing about ways we can uh, adjust the scope of this commission because active transportation, although is important, is still less than 10% of the modal shift to our community. So thank you. Commissioner Gibson, if I may ask a follow-up. Um, when we... we um, when commissioners want to suggest things for the log, I want to make sure that there is clarity in the ask, like discussion about no turn on, right, no rights on red. And I wasn't very clear on what your ask might be, and it should happen during commission so it's public. Okay. So if you can clarify tonight, or if not tonight, then clarify in January. Um, I want to make sure that my ask is uh, correct, <laughs> to make sure it falls within the purview. Um, I, 
I'll, I'll follow up with a written version, uh, but basically it is uh, how can a community come with a specific project proposal that can be um, included either within the TPP or something I consider, and additionally, if community members can find alternate sources of funding to accomplish those that may be out of uh, regular funding and granting streams. I'll follow up to make sure that checks everything, but it's basically if they want to do it and they can find the money, is there a way we can help them do it? Thank you. Uh, Vice Chair Granville. Well, um, thank you, uh, Chair. Uh, I just want to share that today is my last meeting. Um, so I just want to thank uh, the mayor for appointing me, my fellow commissioners who invest your time uh, and here and then also in the community uh, to advance active transportation. And of course, you guys um, for being here today and for um, you know, being activists in this work, I think uh, what we are doing here and out in the community is so important. And uh, I just think, you know, together we can, you know, help improve our health, our environment and economy. And so I just um, want to just keep the momentum going and propelling Sacramento um, to become a leading city uh, in active transportation. And I also just wanted to say, uh, that I, I, I am encouraging the mayor who will be filling this position uh, to seek a new member who is representing an underrepresented area of, uh, this, of our community in my position. Um, and I think it's just essential that our commission reflects the diversity of our community and hopefully that person's not in Midtown <laughs> and uh, you know in an area that is maybe less invested in. Um, so I just wanna say thanks again and I just this has been such an honor and a privilege to get to uh, serve with you. So, thank you. Chair Granville, we're going to miss you a lot. Uh, Commissioner Hodell. Um, regarding the commission log, because I'm not quite sure how it works yet, but I'll bring up the topic and then I can follow up maybe about how to make it work. It has to do with the uh, events in Old Sacramento that close the Sacramento River Trail. And I've encountered three incidents so far in my bike riding where our access is blocked and there's no detour provided. So I've shared that a few times. And I, I maybe it's time to find out why this is happening. And can I do that with the commission log, put that issue in there? And Commissioner Hodell, I think this is twofold. First is the ongoing log of our work zone detour policy, which the event programs will fall under the work zone detour. So accommodating people walking and biking through events as well as construction will fall under that. Currently, we do not have a policy that says that we must ensure walking and biking access through events and uh, work zones uh, other than following the, the California Manual on Uniform Traffic Control Devices. Um, and so <laughs> what we're moving that forward and in fact, we're prepping our website and I think everybody really glad to know that we'll be publishing it within the next couple of weeks out to the public, the, the public draft mm -hmm. of that. Um, however, though, if you want to have us, if you're asking for the log for a very specific discussion of Old Sacramento and the events in Old Sacramento and the obstructions to walking and biking, um, that you can request that. And we can see that um, I can bring it to the folks that manage those programs, the event program, and see what we can do to bring forward. So that is something that is relevant. It's something that is appropriate for the commission um, and is related to our work zone detour policy, which will be coming before the commission. But it sounds like you have a more specific issue. I didn't hear the last 
it sounds like you have a more specific issue related to Old Sacramento. Uh, well, it's when events close our the pathway, and there's no way to get through there. And then if you're familiar with your own detour, then you can do it. But it's, it's our thoroughfare. Mm -hmm. And there should be a, um, aftershock at Discovery Park provides a pathway. Fred, that's a huge event. And I think that events that are in Old Sacramento, taking up the boardwalk should also provide a way for pedestrians through pedestrians and bicyclists to get through. Commissioner Hodel, send me the, the four questions, you know, send me an email with the answer to those four questions, and we will invite the, the events team is managed by YPSI, Youth Parks and Community Enrichment, and we will invite them um, to discuss. Okay, thank you. Okay, well, I'm not seeing any additional commissioner hands. Thank you uh, so much to everyone uh, for attending today in person. This is our last meeting of the year. So it's been, it's been fun, but we did it. Hope everyone has a great holiday season. Um, and our meeting is, oh, thank you. Oh, yes, I'm, I, yes, my last meeting. So start thinking if you want to be a chair or vice chair. Um, but yes, that concludes today's agenda. The meeting is adjourned. <laughs>